If you're like a lot of the women I work with, you have questions about how to preserve your fertility for as long as possible. So I am so excited for this week's guest. Dr. Amy Avazade is a fertility specialist in the San Francisco area. Practicing for over 15 years, she has a specialization in IVF and has vast experience in helping women over 35 realize their dreams of becoming a mother. Her focus is on finding the sweet spot of where science and patient care meet and empowering people to better understand their fertility. She launched Egg Freezing Party in 2014 to help educate people about their fertility preservation options. Since then, she's launched the Egg Whisperer Show to further the reach of how she educates people. It's broadcast to YouTube, IGTV, Facebook, Twitter, and as a podcast of the same name. In addition, Dr. Amy has simplified how people understand fertility by introducing the Tushy Method, Balls Method, and the Egg Whisperer Diet as mnemonics to remind people about the basics of fertility diagnosis and care. In this episode, we talk about why egg and sperm quality matter and what you can do to optimize your fertility. So let's get started. Welcome to Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you're a busy woman struggling with hormonal issues like PCOS, fertility struggles, and other hormone imbalances, and you feel like you're the boss of your life in every area but your hormones, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Melissa Groves Azero, integrative women's health dietitian, coffee lover, cat lady, all black wearing, former New York City advertising exec turned professional period fairy. It's my mission to be the no BS hormone nutrition education resource for smart women struggling with hormone imbalances so you can have regular symptom-free periods and optimize your fertility naturally. I'm here to share real, actionable, science-based tips you can use to get real results without cutting out foods, spending hours in the gym or meal prepping, and without losing sleep, because we're all about balance here at The Hormone Dietitian, and I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Okay. Hello, Dr. Amy. I am so glad you're here to talk with me today. Tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for joining me and call me Amy. So I'm a fertility doctor, kind of passionate about doing what I do and kind of is a huge understatement. I want to empower people wherever you are about educating yourself about your fertility before you start your journey. Even if you're not sure you want to go on a journey, I try and make it so that the information that people receive isn't overwhelming and it's really simple to process so that you're not feeling like this isn't something that you can handle because it certainly is even in the difficult world that we live in. Yeah. Can you, so your real passion is around egg quality and egg health and all the things we can do to preserve egg quality and egg health. Can you talk about that a little bit from a medical fertility perspective? Absolutely. Well, an embryo is an egg and a sperm cell, right? And so the quality of the egg and sperm are so important, but this is the thing. Our eggs are not a renewable resource. 100% of the time, a woman will run out of eggs 
And sadly, sometimes it's before she's completed her family building. And so that's where I come in. I have patients who come and see me and they want to improve their egg quality. And you used one word that I use all the time. It's not about improving. It's about doing what we can to preserve what we have and understand it. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about we can improve our egg quality. You take these supplements, you wait three months, and then you go on this diet and voila, it's improved. And that's just not how it is. I mean, certainly there are some people who respond for whatever reason really well to some supplements. And I recommend supplementation. There's some people that respond really well to HGH, which is a steroid, for example, but not everyone's going to see an improvement. And most people may not. Yeah. I always talk about it more in terms of maximizing uh, the quality and protecting those eggs that we do have left. Um, if you are getting upwards in age, um, as well, um, what are some of the factors that might be impacting egg and sperm health? Right. So there are three big factors and they spell out the word age. Mm -hmm. So the first letter in age is age literally. So that's one of the biggest factors when it comes to egg and sperm quality, we know that it's really hard for a woman to get pregnant over the age of 37. And for some women, it could even be 30 based on their genetics. For guys, it might be really hard for them to father a child over the age of 50 because of the increased risk of having a baby with chromosomal abnormalities. And then the genetic piece. So I think the number of eggs that you're born with and how fast you run out, a lot of that is related to the genes that you've inherited from your mom or your dad. And then the last piece is environment. So the types of foods that you've eaten or you eat, you know, that saying you are what you eat, your eggs are what you ate. They are what your grandma ate and smoked as well. <laughs> your mom and your grandma for multiple generations. And the environment also includes secondhand smoke, current smoking, the plastics that are in the environment that we've been exposed to since birth. So all of those together kind of shape our egg quality at the age that you're at right now. And the only thing that you can truly control in that moment is just one, and that's the environment. So that's why I tell patients to work with you to balance their hormones through diet, especially if they have PCOS and the other two things are out of our control. And that's why it's really important to understand your levels at the age that you're at and kind of talk to your family and see, you know, what's in our genetics is endometriosis there. Are there fibroids? Have family members had recurrent pregnancy loss? Because you want to go into that fertility appointment as education Ed, as educated as possible. Yeah. I always, you know, refer to that phrase about, you know, even if you haven't been dealt a great genetic hand, you know, you've had some of these things passed down, um, you can do a lot with environment to overcome that. And often environment is what actually activates those genetic mutations to start manifesting. So um, it's not, you're not doomed if you, if you do have a not so great family history. You are that is precisely correct. And for example, if you have mom and dad both have type two diabetes, for example, you are not doomed. There are things that you can do that, you know, you can take the control back and you can influence your own life by changing things. Yeah. So I love all of the names of your programs. You have the cutest names for your programs. I love it. Um, and I do want to talk about some of those ingredients that go into 
making egg and sperm health the best possible so that we have the best chances for having a successful pregnancy. Um, can you talk about your tushy method? Absolutely. So the tushy method basically is a method of five steps or tests that every fertility patient should do before they try and conceive. And when I say fertility patient, you don't necessarily have to be a fertility patient. You could be someone who's just curious about their fertility without having problems conceiving. So it's a really easy to remember mnemonic T stands for tubes, right? So fertilization occurs in the fallopian tube. That's where the egg and sperm meet and greet happens. Then an embryo travels down the fallopian tube for about a week until it lands in the U uterus. A simple ultrasound can reveal if there's, let's say a polyp, a fibroid, some sort of blockage inside the uterus, endometriosis, adenomyosis, a misshapen uterus. Wouldn't you want to know these things before you got pregnant? It's kind of like driving a car across the country. Why don't you look under the hood first to make sure that everything was working before you got in the car? We should do that with a nine month pregnancy journey or drive as well. And then every embryo takes the sperm cells too. And there's no such thing as I, you know, I got someone pregnant when she was 18, I'm fine. And I'm like, what previous paternity does not mean current paternity. So a simple sperm test is all it takes guys. It's just a cup and maybe <laughs> some website, but don't tell me about it. And then the age is your hormones. You know, you have that great book about how to balance your hormones. When you have PCOS, it's so important to understand what your hormones say about you. So simple tests like FSH, estradiol, AMH cycle day three, TSH, vitamin D. If you have symptoms of PCOS, get your PCOS labs done, do some preconception testing, find out your blood type, know what you're, if you're anemic or not, make sure you're immunized against measles, mumps, rubella, and you're protected against chickenpox. Those are like simple tests that we do as far as the H part. And then the last letter is Y, your genetic profile. And now I'm thinking about adding your microbiome. We're learning so much about how the gut microbiome, the vaginal microbiome, the uterine microbiome is important for fertility and a healthy pregnancy. We're not there yet though. It's not, it's not prime time, but I think we're doing, there's some really exciting early research studies showing how important our microbiome is to our fertility and pregnancy health. So those are the five things. Yeah, I agree about the microbiome. And I always talk about it the same way too. Like, you know, there are thousands and thousands of studies going on and we don't even really understand all of the things that those guys do for us, but they do a lot from mood to absorption to how we utilize glucose in the body um, and definitely can contribute to inflammation, which can have an impact on fertility as well. So when you're working with someone and they're, they're actually undergoing IVF, this is the one time we actually get a chance to look at their eggs and see how many they get and how many fertilize and how many make it to transfer. Um, is there any way to gauge what a person's egg quality might be if they're not undergoing IVF and they haven't reached that, that state yet? Sure. I mean, fertility doctors make fertility projections for patients, and we have diagnostic tests that allow us to do that. So we take your age, your FSH estradiol on day three, your AMH level, and your antral follicle count, as well as your family history. And we put it all together and we can share with you 
what your fertility is right now, what your conception rate would be per cycle. And we can also predict potentially what it could be one year from now, two years from now. So for example, I have a 37 year old patient and she has a certain number of eggs. I can actually make analogies that are similar to IVF analogies for her. So she can understand what her fertility is like today and how things might look in two years from now for her. And then she can decide, do I want to freeze eggs? Do I want to make embryos? Do I want to do half and a half? Or do I want to try naturally and maybe consider those options if it doesn't work after six months or so? Science is so cool, isn't it? <laughs> that's, it's, it's fun. that's amazing. It's yeah. To put the back in a patient's hands and these tests are readily available. They're easy to do mm-hmm. and they're not as expensive as they were, let's say 15 years ago when I started my practice. So it's a lot more doable now, especially the genetic tests are a lot cheaper and accessible than they were before. Oh yeah. That's another whole area that we don't even know what we don't know yet. Right. It's we're still at the beginning of that too. I mean, it's an exciting frontier to think about the idea of personalized nutrition and personalized fertility treatments, but it's not ready for prime time yet, as you said. <laughs> uh, so as someone who worked in advertising and was extremely focused on my career during my 20s and 30s, I love to see that egg freezing is becoming just more widely available and more mainstream. Um, And I love that you make it fun with egg freezing parties. Can you talk about what that is and, you know, when someone might want to think about freezing their eggs and why? Yeah. I mean, egg freezing party, exactly how it sounds. You go to a party and I freeze your eggs. I'm just kidding. It is not. (laughs) Basically, it's just a scientific seminar where people are learning, scientifically speaking, about fertility and the process of egg freezing. And it's around people that are like-minded who want to learn more. That's it. I want every single woman to know that she can freeze her eggs, just like every single woman knows that she can get a boob job. Mm-hmm. And I think my goal has been reached. I think we're at a point now so different from eight years ago. I can't believe it's been that long since I started egg freezing parties. So different. But now I think the word is out. Most women, not men, like still men don't know that. Um, and I do serve it. Like when I go to places, I actually ask guys like, did you know a woman can freeze their eggs? And they're like, what? <laughs> so I still have some work to do. Cause I think it's important that men know, cause I feel like men should get an egg freezing tax assigned every year. Um, sorry, I, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my point is that, um, you know, I feel like these seminars have been a great way for people to learn about egg freezing. And now I do them online. So people can go to eggfreezingparty.com and schedule one of my Zoom parties. And that's just another fun way. And, and, and it's not as personal because we're not in person, but it's really cool because I get to see people from all over the world on one Zoom call teaching them about egg freezing. That's amazing. Now, if only we could just get access and coverage for everyone to have that be an option, but you heard it here, ladies, ditch the toxic Tupperware parties and go to an egg freezing party instead. I wish they ran those in advertising um, back in my day. Um, I I think a lot of us would have taken you up on that at that point. Hey there, quick break in the episode to jump in and tell you about a brand new live workshop I'm doing in June. As a dietitian who's worked with thousands of women with PCOS, there are two reasons why most women schedule an appointment to see me. 
The first is that they're trying to get pregnant, but they aren't having regular cycles. The second is that they're trying to lose weight or their doctor told them to lose weight so that they can get regular cycles, get pregnant, or lower risks for diabetes and other long-term risks of PCOS. But if you've ever actually tried to lose weight with PCOS, and let's face it, you've probably tried at least a dozen different ways, you've probably realized that the same rules don't apply when it comes to PCOS and weight. It's not as simple as calories in, calories out, or eat less and move more. Maybe you signed up for a boot camp with your bestie and your bestie lost 15 pounds while you worked just as hard and gained a pound and a half, you're right. The same rules don't apply, but that doesn't mean that weight loss is impossible with PCOS. We just have to approach it differently. First, did you know that weight is actually a symptom of PCOS? Just like your other symptoms like acne and hirsutism and irregular cycles. So trying to manage a symptom like weight without addressing the root causes of that symptom isn't going to get you very far. So in my new workshop, Losing Weight with PCOS, we're going to be talking about all the reasons why it's so hard to lose weight with PCOS, why focusing on the scale is the wrong approach and what to focus on instead. And the best part is it doesn't involve giving up any of your favorite foods. And it will include a bonus one-week meal plan and recipes to help support you. Losing Weight with PCOS is happening live on June 15th, and it will be recorded if you can't make it, but of course you'll want to show up live to get your questions answered. Register today at thehormonedietitian.com forward slash PCOS weight. That's losing weight with PCOS at thehormonedietitian.com forward slash PCOS weight, all one word, P-C-O-S-W-E-I-G-H-T. Okay, back to the episode. People who should freeze their eggs or, um, you know, it's really for anyone in their 20s, 30s, or even 40s. And I feel like if someone is in their early 20s, their mom got pregnant doing IVF with them, you should find out why and maybe consider freezing your eggs before you're 25 and getting your levels checked. If you've, let's say, had an ovary removed or had endometriosis surgery already and you're in your early 20s, get your fro- eggs frozen. If, let's say, you're 25 years old, I would recommend if you haven't done it already, get an AMH level check just to make sure there are no surprises. And the reason why it's important to do so is because so many women in their twenties are on birth control pills or have an IUD placed, And they don't realize that their regular cycles are basically making them feel fertile when potentially the birth control pills could be masking infertility. So that's why I always just say, you know, when you're about 25 and you're getting that refill on your birth control pill, get an AMH level checked easy to do. And then find someone who will teach you about what the level means and talk to you about your goals. And then by the time you're 32, if you want at least two kids and don't have one already, consider freezing eggs, embryos, or both. And then if you're 37, I just say, go right to, you know, if you haven't frozen your eggs yet, don't worry. You still can, there's still a chance. And then you can freeze eggs, embryos, or both at that point. So even if you already have one child and you're 37 years old and you want a second, I'd recommend talking to an IVF doctor about whether you should go right to IVF or not. 
That's great. Thank you. Um, so an AMH level would be accurate, even if someone were on the pill, unlike LH and FSH might not be as accurate on the pill, but AMH could still give you a good idea of, you know, how many uh, follicles you have left. That's right. So AMH can be suppressed about 20% when a woman is on birth control pills. So a doctor like me would take that into consideration when I'm interpreting an AMH level. So that's why it's really important not to get an AMH and then all of a sudden worry that something's wrong. If you Google it and you feel like your levels are low, your levels are your levels. They're for you to understand and have them. So you can make decisions for yourself before it's too late. And so it's going to be too late for everyone who didn't know that they'd run out of eggs before they're done having kids. So that's the goal is to find out about this stuff first before you feel like you don't have any options left. Yeah. One question I get a lot in my community, um, you know, I, I think IUI has this sort of, um, you know, aura of being, well, it is, it's less invasive, it's less expensive. Um, but, you know, sort of from a, a more outsider view, it doesn't look like the success rates are, are super high. What are some situations, and I know a lot of people like to, you know, maybe go through a few IUIs before they go to IVF. Um, what are some of the situations when IUI might be an appropriate choice for someone? Someone, let's say, already has one child and they want one more and they don't want to have unused embryos. When you're in a situation where you want one baby and notice I didn't say just one because one is plenty and enough, it also might not make sense to do IVF for the same reason, the cost and the possibility of having unused embryos. Um, there are some people that have ethical issues with the idea of creating embryos, even if they're not viable of not potentially using them and creating them and destroying them, that might be really hard for them. So IUI could be a good option for them. And also for people who are just stressed out about sex. I mean, um, life is really stressful right now. It's sometimes hard. No, well, actually I should say pun intended for people to be intimate and have sex around ovulation and people fight and they fight around ovulation sometimes because they feel like they're just baby batter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's life. And so IUI can sometimes be helpful in that way. That makes sense. I hadn't considered uh, the ethical Im implications of number of embryos. And, you know, we're definitely, we talk about that stuff on, on this show. We're fine about that here. I think, you know, given given the recent news and the worries about, you know, the legal implications for IVF and embryos. And, you know, I've, I've actually, I was just seeing uh, some posts around, should you consider moving your frozen embryos from one state to a, a more open-minded state at this point? Um, and people are recommending not right now, you know, hold tight and, and see what happens, but there's so many different, different beliefs, um, and different belief systems. And ultimately what it comes down to is you have to do what's right for you and your family. Um, so it's, it's good that that's, you know, something that's, that's being taken into consideration as well. Um, so thank you for that. That helps explain that a little bit more for me as well. Um, sort of on a similar topic, sometimes when we're building a family it might end up taking more creative approaches. Um, so what are some of the alternatives people might have if they're struggling with egg quality, sperm quality, or 
other issues and, you know, things like donor eggs, sperm, embryos, LGBTQI plus family building. Um, what are the options there? Yeah. So just like you mentioned, you can get eggs from an egg bank that are already frozen. You can cycle an egg donor through an entire IVF cycle just for you. You can choose sperm donation. You can get sperm from a sperm bank or someone, you know, you can also be a recipient of donated embryos. Mm -hmm. There's also surrogacy as well. So choosing someone else's uterus to carry a pregnancy for you is something that we're seeing more and more. And a lot of that has to do with the age that people are starting their families at. So especially for people who are over 45, 50, who are growing their family, a lot of them will choose to use a gestational carrier. So there's so many different ways of having a family. Um, most people go into their journey wanting to use their own DNA and wanting to carry their own pregnancy. And not everyone has the ability to do that just because of the situation that they're in, given their relationship status, their sexuality, and their medical diagnosis. No, it's, it's great that there are so many options. And I actually, I know people on all ends of that. I know, I know someone who donated her unused embryos. I know someone who was a surrogate twice. Um, so it's great if you're able to help someone else build their family in that way as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about surrogates as angels among us. I mean, they're just incredible women. The, the one I know, my friend, she was, she had three pregnancies of her own and she was one of those people who just like was the radiant glowing goddess when she was pregnant. Yeah. She felt amazing. And she's like, why wouldn't I do this again for someone, you know, if I yeah. can help. So yeah, really she gave birth on Christmas Eve actually, which wow. is just wow. so, <laughs> I gave up your Christmas dinner to do this too. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but such a, yes, such a huge and generous gift. Um, what would be one thing that you would want women or anyone concerned about their egg quality to take away from this episode? The one thing that I would want to tell someone, and you know, I'm, I feel like I've been doing this for so long that I have all these sayings and I just, you know, learn, and I learned so much from my patients and someone said something to me the other day, and I said, I need to share this with somebody. So you asked me this question at the perfect time. She has a very low chance of pregnancy given her situation. And I shared with her that her chances are not zero, but close to zero. And she said to me, Amy, if I try, it's not like I'm going to be any worse off than I am now. So why not just try? And so I was like, wow, I'm like, that doesn't sound like a really powerful thing, but like, that's really powerful. Cause I feel like, you know, as we get older and a lot of my patients are older, there's sometimes a situation where you go to a doctor and you're made to feel like you're a dinosaur wanting to have a baby, <laughs> like dinosaur arms, dinosaur legs and dinosaur eggs. And that's not how I make my patients feel. At least I hope not. I want my patients to feel like I see them as fertile and you know, they will have a baby one way or another, but I just liked what she said that, um, and I always say things like having hope never killed anybody. It's not about being pessimistic. It's about being practical. Um, and then I'll just add in for all of your listeners that it's, you're not going to lose anything by trying 
because even if it doesn't work, you're still going to be okay. You're going to be in the same situation that you're in now. And the last thing that I'd want people to know is just before you do anything with your eggs and fertilize them, please make sure your relationships are intact. I'm just seeing so many relationships just fall apart lately just because of the stress of the world. And I think that's just, has nothing to do with that quality, but I just had to throw that in there. No, I totally understand. And there's, you know, legal battles over embryos that end up happening and who gets them and, you know, yeah, it's, it's messy. It's really messy. Um, but yeah, what you were saying about your client, it, it makes me think of what's that saying where they say you miss every, every chance you don't take. Um, and it, sometimes you do have to go through that process and really feel like you've tried everything before you can be okay with, you know, however things are going to end up, but, you know, really you can look back and say, I did everything within my power, you know, and this, this is just the outcome is the outcome. Right. Um, so tell the audience where they can find you and how they can work with you. And you have a podcast of your own that is fantastic as well. I do. Thank you so much. I mean, I'd love to invite everyone to my website, draimee.org, which is basically dramee.org and everything's there my blog, my podcast, my classes. So for people who want to be my patient, you certainly are welcome to be my patient, but taking one of my live classes, I run a live class at least twice a month on IVF, egg freezing, tushy method, where I teach people about fertility, talk about egg freezing and go through the IVF process. So you're all welcome to come and see me there and join in. And I do talk to people in the class one-on-one about their stories and provide suggestions about supplements and different protocols. So I hope that by doing this, I can help more people than just the people that are able to come and see me here. Awesome. And where, where is your clinic located where you work out of? I'm right outside of San Francisco, a suburb of San Ramon, California. So very easy to get to for anyone who wants to fly in, <laughs> but otherwise um, I'd love to see you guys on zoom. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me here. Um, I feel like we've answered a lot of questions, burning questions. My audience has about egg quality, egg health and you know fertility medicine. So thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. You're welcome. Thank you, Melissa, for having me on. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could open up the podcast app you're probably using to listen to this episode right now and leave a quick rating or review. Your reviews help this podcast get seen by more women who could benefit from the information I share here. Stay tuned for our next episode, and in the meantime, stay balanced.